Hello, and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Well, hello, I'm Bree James, and welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. Now, on today's episode, I chat to the author and co founder of the award winning children's book initiative, My Big Moments. Hannah Davidson is her name. So, Should we kind of talk about how we can turn parenting lemons into lemonade? Because as parents, it is easy for us to lose our temper. Sometimes we say something we may regret later or just we make a mistake in general. We're we're only human. But how can we turn these parenting lemon moments into lemonade and repair the situation to benefit our children? Well, let's get Hannah on Zoom to chat more about this topic. It's time to get to class. So Hannah, you talk about turning parenting lemons into lemonade. What does that mean? Because I love love the saying. <laughs> yeah, turning parenting lemons into lemonade is really for taking accountability for those times when you really blow your cover as a parent. You know, um, no one's going to be perfect. There's going to be moments when you react without thinking, where you say things that you don't mean, um, when you lose your, temp- your temper and um, you're basically not being the mature grown-up that you really... Um, hope and wish you could be for your Instagram reel. So um, in those times, it's actually about acknowledging what's happened, being honest about it, being authentic about it and taking accountability and then showing your kids what that looks like. Because in those times, you know, we, we create ruptures in our relationships with our kids and ruptures are actually fine. So long as there is a repair, it's when there's not a repair, that's what's causing damage. But if there's a rupture and a repair, that is actually something that can count towards their resilience because you're role modeling how to reconcile your relationship when you've when you've had a bit of a problem so yeah but as parents you know we are going to make mistakes we're only human everyone is going to make mistakes and it's really important actually that we show our kids that it's okay to make mistakes too and I think we all have grown up probably with a really harsh self-critic in our heads um, and often felt that, you know, probably we've had that experience as kids where our parents have come down pretty hard on us for making mistakes, you know, they've lost their temper, and then we felt, actually, it's not that safe, you know, it's not that safe to make mistakes, and we can be really hard on ourselves for it, but when we look at mistakes in a different light, and when we look at them not as a failure, but as an opportunity just to make a course correction, you know, a failure will grind us to a halt, but a course correction keeps us looking and moving forward, and that's about having a growth mindset. And I think, you know, the the powerful thing about changing the way that you look at the mistakes you make as a parent and being able to turn the the lemons into lemonade is that we give ourselves permission to make some mistakes because we know that we can fix it. And we give our kids permission to make mistakes and know that they can fix it too. And then they can see that, in fact, it's not a big deal to make a mistake, to say sorry, to, you know, for everyone's feelings to be validated and that everybody can move on. And I think that's that's really important. So that's why I like to look at this in this way. Yeah, it's so true because we do, as parents, you know, we do try and do the right thing, but it's so easy to accidentally join your children in their behaviour sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think it's um, a really great tip that, um, you know, we've got to, I guess, be okay with that and just repair it because what, what happens um, if we don't repair those ruptures with our children yeah, I mean, I, I, I say um, on our Instagram, we've got a little quote up there that says you can't solve chaos with chaos. 
and <laughs> you can't. And I think um, it's very easy when everyone is heightened emotionally that things can get out of control. And it's then our responsibility as a parent to, to bring it down and, uh, and, to, and to bring it back. I think, you know, our fear as a parent, if we make a mistake, is that our kids are going to lose respect for our authority. But in fact, the opposite is true. Because um, what happens if we create a rupture with our kids, but then we don't repair it, is that they actually feel quite insecure because they know that what we've done is not genuine and authentic. And that's a situation that we will lose them a bit. But if we go, if we acknowledge what we've done and we go, yeah, okay, I, I messed up there and I'm sorry and it's not your fault and I'm going to do these things to try and do better, um, then that is creating that repair. Yeah. So when you've, with your own kids, I guess, when have you seen the biggest impact of turning your parenting lemons into lemonade? Because it is tough sometimes to swallow your pride and say, you know, I haven't handled this situation the best way possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I had a, a real big one and I didn't even know that the lemon was there. Um, and I'm really glad that um, after it had happened, I actually went back and revisited that because, um, you know, situations are redeemable. It doesn't, whether it happens in the moment or whether you've got to circle back, like people are redeemable and situations are redeemable. And that's a really good thing to demonstrate. So um, in our situation, um, it was actually, I had to explain to the kids that their dad and I were separating and that we were going to be, um, we were going to have two homes and the whole situation uh, and setup was going to be different. And I, I had to explain to them how this was going to affect them. And, you know, given the work that I do, I had done my research and I had figured out what I needed to say, what I should say, what they needed to know, what their primary concerns might be. And so I sat down to do this. And as I went into it, my daughter, who was five at the time, burst into hysterical tears. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? You know, I've absolutely blown it. And, um, and you know, in, in that moment, I was horrified and I was worrying so much about what the impact on them was going to be from our separation and from having to move and everything that was changing. And, um, you know, I really didn't know in that moment what I had done so wrong and also how to make it better but anyway we, we sort of we moved through and we carried on and um later when we moved to our new house and we're sitting around the dinner table one night I said to them you know guys like we've been through a lot of changes haven't we you know we had to move house after the earthquake and then we had to you know build and we had to do this and that and now we've moved house again we've been through so many changes you know um how are you feeling about that now you've got two homes and now we're now we're here and and um, my daughter said, uh, oh, mum, you, know you know when you told us and I cried, she said, I thought that what was happening was that you and Dad were going to live in one house and Alex and I, her brother, were going to live in the other house, you know? And there's such a, there's such a massive um, chasm between adult logic and child logic because we understand the context of... Um, of what a separation means and what happens and, and the, the whole two home scenario. But for kids, you know, this is, this is fresh territory and she had no idea. And if we hadn't had that conversation, I wouldn't have known the mistake that I had made, that I hadn't been explicit enough 
in what I was saying to explain to her in a way that she really understood the practicalities of what was happening. Because she was concerned about the practicalities of what living with her brother was going to be like. And I would be concerned too. Um, however, it, it gave me that moment, you know, in, in, a, in a time when we were calm and we were relaxed and we were just talking gently with one another that we could actually go, uh, you know, I could actually say, oh, honey, that must have been really scary for you. You know, I can understand why that made you feel upset and actually really acknowledge and validate her experience for that moment. And then also to finish that off with something positive about acknowledging, you know, where we were at and how far we had come and what the future was going to look like and sort of finish on a really positive note. So, but if, if I hadn't gone back there, if I hadn't circled back to, to that and really checked in with them, I wouldn't have known how to make that into lemonade. You know, and she was able then, and I think with probably a bit of space and distance from that experience, to be able to articulate that. And I'm so grateful that she could. So that was, you know, that was a, a really big one for me. And it made me realize that, you know, sometimes when we we do lose it, and sometimes if we make a mistake or we just we get it wrong, um, not to just brush it under the rug, but to actually go back and go, you know what, this morning. I um, you know, I, I got a bit grumpy about this and I just want to talk to you about that because it's been on my mind. And, you know, to go back and revisit it and then give them a chance to have a voice in that situation as well. And I think, you know, once the emotions have passed, it's easier to go back and, and deal with that stuff. Wow. What a story. I guess um, it's so interesting how kids perceive things and like, yeah, how awesome yeah. that you got to go back and revisit I know, that one. I know. And in a way, you know, it's terrible, but it's also quite funny. Oh, absolutely. That'll be a good one for the 21st. Um, so on a more, I guess, practical level, what does it sound like for parents to repair their ruptures, like on the on the smaller sort of ones? Because you gave a really great uh, reference just then. You know, I love how you you know, just spoke about how you, you talk to your children when you do have those moments. Have you got any other tips and advice for our listeners to deal with those? Yeah, yeah. So so it's quite handy when you've got some vocabulary and some language to put around these things. So on a smaller level, and I'll give you a practical example from our house, um, and I'm sure I won't be the only one, but um, we have this rule in our house. Basically, so long as you're not um, saying anything, you know, cruel to anyone or, or calling each other names you can basically say what you want because I'd prefer to have honesty and openness even if it's harder to hear than um, for things to go unsaid because basically you know you want a chance to be able to give kids facts um, rather than let them make up facts for themselves <laughs> um, because they're, they're going to make up stories that aren't necessarily true and often kids will think that when you're losing your temper and you're upset that it's about them and something that they have done and a mistake that they have made because they're they're really coming from a place where they're, they're just thinking about themselves and frankly that doesn't really change most people are just thinking about themselves but anyway I had uh, one afternoon um, and, I, and I admit I had been particularly irritable that day and my son said to me mum I don't think you got enough sleep last night. I think you need an early night. <laughs> and he was just saying, like, you've been really grumpy and horrible today. And he was right. And I'm glad he pulled me up on it because that sort of acted as a bit of a circuit breaker for me to go, okay, let's just, you know, pull on the reins here. Let's just regroup. And and um, and I, I needed to take responsibility for the fact that I really wasn't doing my best in that moment. And I was being unreasonable. He was quite right. He was absolutely right. Um, so, but that gave me the opportunity to sort of go, look, I, I'm sorry. Um, I am being too grumpy, aren't I? And I'm just not feeling that great today. 
um, it's not your fault and I shouldn't make you feel like it is your fault. You're not doing anything wrong. Because he did think, he, he said later, I thought that was about me. I thought that was something I was doing wrong. So then I said, look, I think I'm going like, to take a bath and I'm going to get an early night and that's going to help me feel better and do better tomorrow. I'm really sorry. So that's the, that's the language that I would put around that. And it just meant that, you know, I could understand his experience because his experience was I've done something to cause this and I'm bearing the brunt of it. And my experience was I'm just having a bad day and I wish that it was over, you know, yes. but we both got to, we both got to have our moment there and then everyone got to move on and they got to go to bed, not thinking I've done something to upset mum. There's something wrong with me that she doesn't like because that's where their minds go. It's, it's interesting how people go straight to that point when they see someone in a, in a bit of a mood that they think it has something to do with an action that they've taken. Um, have you got any deeper feedback around how, you know, I guess people listening, not just with their kids, but in general, how we can not own other people's stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, you've, you've got to really protect your space and, and your kids' space and um, not take on what other, what other people are putting out. And I think, I don't know, I, th- I think it's just good to come back and decompress after your day, after you've seen people, or to have a little debrief after experiences where you think, you know what, that's not mine. And, and I don't have responsibility for that. And I don't have to take that from you. And also, like, I think, particularly as, as women, um, we have the sense of managing an environment and having to make it okay for everybody and having to make sure that everybody else is okay and often that comes at such a cost to ourselves and I think like I don't want my kids to take that on um I want them to be able to you know protect themselves and um take responsibility for themselves but also allow other people to take responsibility for themselves like I'm often all always really interested by the conversation around consent um and I know there's a little bit of a tangent but I think uh, particularly in the way that um, I was brought up, and I think many people um, in our generation were brought up to be good, you know, to, to not rock the boat, to not um, to not lose your temper, to not, you know, get angry. Like those things were, were pretty unacceptable. But it also meant that a lot of times we didn't stand up for our own boundaries. We didn't have agency to stick up for ourselves and for when our boundaries had been crossed, you know, whether that, that had been with words or whether that had been physical whether that had been emotional you know we just sucked it up but then that just allows people to cross your boundaries so how can you consent if you don't have clear boundaries how can you say that's okay for me to accept from you or that's not okay for me to accept from you if you don't have agency over what's okay and what's not okay I always think that's really interesting so yeah like boundaries is one thing with with the kids that um that I try to help them with and and it's so easy with kids because they will teach one another you know just in their play they will teach one another about when it's too much and and when they want more and I saw this amazing um game between the kids and in fact my daughter will say um when her brother is pushing her around or something she'll say no my body my rules and I think that's so simple yeah my body my rules that's quite right and you've got every right to have rules around your body um, you know, and it's things like, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to hug someone, you don't have to hug someone. If that's going to make it socially awkward for me, that's my problem. That's not your problem. You know, if you just want to give them a, a wave or a high five or say, no, thanks, I'm good. Yeah, fine. No big deal. Um, 
And I saw the kids one day playing this really interesting game um, and I just observed it. And Frankie, my daughter, had was upset and she'd gone and hidden um, underneath some, like the clothes horse or something. And her brother, who's very empathetic, he went to see if she was okay. And then suddenly I heard this banana, kiwi fruit, banana, kiwi fruit. And I was going, what's going on? What is going on here? But the game they were playing was that when she said banana, it meant that she wanted a hug from him. And when she said kiwi fruit, it meant that she wanted him to take his hands off her. And they were just doing this thing where she was, you know, accepting contact and rejecting contact. And they were making a complete game out of it. But she was going, here are my boundaries. And he's going, I'm respecting your boundaries. And she had knew she had total agency over that. And she could, she could say when she wanted it and when she didn't want it, you know. And I think that's a that's a big part of um, whether or not you choose to take responsibility for more than you should take responsibility for, because I think we all need the right. We all need the permission to say, no, that's not mine. And I, and I don't feel like it's ever been particularly easy, particularly as a woman to be able to say no. And no is a complete sentence. I learned that in therapy. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> that's all you have to do. <laughs> I love it. And it's so true because I think it's, especially in our day and age of, you know, seeing all the negativity on TV, social media, and, you know, just in the world in general, and all the positivity too, that sometimes we take on things that aren't our own and it can be a real challenge for people um, and and our kids. It's overwhelming, I think, for those, um, especially those more sensitive, emotionally intelligent children, you know, they do go instantly, is this mine? And I think that whole is this mine no it's not mine that's yours and you know learning that whole uh, boundary side of things is a really great exercise I I think that also you know we've we've got to be careful with how much um, media our kids are exposed to because there's a lot going on in the world and we really don't have control over it you know we've just got to deal with it on a on a case-by-case home level Um, we can't allow them to really get stressed out about the stuff that lies outside of their control you know we've got to say yeah there's there's this coronavirus out there and um, but you know what our country's doing the best it can right now um, to keep us all safe and well and all we have to do is is follow the directions that we've been given and look we know what we what we can do and we can wash our hands and we can do this and um, that's how that's a that's the thing that we can do you know yeah absolutely so you, you we're, so we're touching on resilience now, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, um, because obviously, you know, when we have these ruptures with our children, uh, we try and repair them, and then you know that does build resilience. Um, how does this work, and what does resilience look like in children? Do you think? Yeah, so resilience in kids um, is is interesting because resilience in kids, you don't sort of look at that and go oh yeah that's you know that's that's strong or whatever you've got to think about resilience as kids as something that they're developing um caused by the environment that they're in like essentially resilience as kids is not caused by who they are and um, what they do and what attributes they're born with resilience as kids is caused by who we are and what we do in their environment so a resilient kid or a kid that is developing resilience they are going to feel seen and heard at home and they know that it's safe to express their thoughts and feelings um, a strong bonded relationship with their parent or caregiver um, they know who they can go to to ask for help they can show empathy 
they can show consideration to others and they can be gentle with thoughts and feelings about themselves. Um, it's a kid who will participate and persevere during activities uh, and they'll be developing some problem solving abilities. They can solve um, boredom with their own creativity and they can feel confident to engage in some free play activities that often involve taking some risks. And actually that's something that should be encouraged so long as it's, you know, they're probably not gonna hurt themselves or others. Risk taking is actually really important for developing resiliency. And then they also feel free to use words and behavior. And notice I'm saying behavior there because that, that's sometimes the only way that a child can communicate is by showing you with their behavior because they don't have words to put around it. Um, when they need your help and support. Yeah, so I mean, they, their resilience is determined, determined by the environment that they are growing up in, that they feel safe and secure there, um, and the influences that they're surrounded by. The people who are there that are role modeling to them and that are demonstrating the skills that they can later use, because resilience is like a, is a toolbox. It's not, it's not an attribute. It's a toolbox of things that you can draw upon that are going to help you just be able to see a way forward and keep moving forward when you're having a tough time. Great advice there. Now, you've also got a wonderful book series um, to help little people through their mm. big moments. Can you tell us a little bit about these amazing books that you've written? Yeah, so um, so myself and co-founder Flicker Williams, we came up with this idea to write personalised children's books that are going to help kids get through milestones and events in their early life. It was really important to us. Well, one that it, you know, pers the personalization factor, which was a really cool way to use um, print technology today, um, also helps kids recall and remember and be able to draw upon the things that they've learned in that book because it engages them, um, you know, a deep neurological way that allows them every time they hear that word, their brain fires up and they're taking in more information. Um, from that story. The other thing that we did was um, we wanted to make sure that the stories that we wrote, they weren't just entertaining and, you know, fun for the kids and their parents to read, but they're also backed by research. So we work with child development experts, um, experts in child psychology and neuroscience and play therapy, and they consult as we write these stories so that throughout the stories we weave in different strategies and tools and vocabulary and activity that kids can use in their own real life situations so um yeah you, it's easy you can go onto our website which is mybigmoments.com and you can look at a full personalized preview with your child's name and an avatar that looks like them in the story going through the situation and so at the moment we've got um we've got five topics so we cover um getting ready to go to school building resilience, um, getting ready for a new sibling, uh, handling grief and loss, and going to hospital. So a few different things there that are going to be big moments and challenging moments in a child's life that we're actually really going to want to work through them. Because I think, you know, those things can look really big and scary. We can worry about the impact that they're going to have on them. Um, but actually they can become really empowering and then help that child build their resilience and grow their confidence and have new skills that they can actually use in their real life. Yeah. I love it. They sound like amazing books and I can feel a, um, a separation one in the mix coming soon. Yeah, that'll probably be there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, where can, so just if you wanted to say the website just one more time again for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Mybigmoments.com is the website that you can go to um, and you can check out all the books and the preview there. We've got a, 
um, blog section as well with some helpful resources for parents. We try and make everything we do sort of a hub for parents to just to make the tricky job of parenting that little bit easier. Um, and the other place that I would really recommend checking out is our Instagram account, which is at My Big Moments, uh, because we put lots and lots of resources up there for parents as well, which is just really easy, digestible place. And that's sort of where we create our, our village to help one another out and, um, yeah, put lots of free material up there. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing your incredible story and um, helping us turn those parenting lemons into lemonade. Truly appreciate your time. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. If you're loving the PacMag Parenting Podcast, then you'll love our other channels. Follow PacMag on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Pinterest. It's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? Well, that's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? We learned heaps. First of all was that we learn from our mistakes and we just have to own them. It's okay to make them. We just need to own our mistakes because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So we've just got to be a real one. We all make mistakes. It's a part of our learning process, but by owning our mistakes and acknowledging where we went wrong, our children can learn a really valuable lesson Uh, by taking accountability for their own behavior too. So the more we model the behavior that we'd like them to have, the more that they'll behave that way. Number two is teaching our children how to manage their emotions using strategies like deep breathing, exercise, taking a bath. These things can all help them regain control and reduce the amount of tantrums and anger outbursts. So by taking the time to explain and demonstrate what to do after these moments, our children can you know, their ability to communicate and resolve conflict is going to serve them throughout their lives. So this is a really important skill to teach them. Another thing we learned that is as parents, we fear that if our children see us making mistakes, that they will lose respect for us and our authority uh, will diminish. However, believe it or not, it will do the exact opposite. So if we aren't being authentic around our children, they will most likely pick up on it. So you can't cover up your mistakes and pretend it didn't happen. Making mistakes gives us the opportunity to teach our kids that we are always redeemable and that, you know, apologies and making up for when we've done the wrong thing is the best thing that we can all do. Well, that's the end of another show. Hope you like this episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Remember, any important links can be found in the show notes. A big thank you to Hannah Davidson for all of your amazing insights and for being on the show. But until next time, parents, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on PacMag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.